The reading for this morning is from Acts chapter 17, verses 16 to 34, and it will be on the screen behind me or in the church Bible. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth, and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands, as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the whole world with justice by the man he, by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, We want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them were Dignitius, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman called Damaris, and a number of others. This is the word of the Lord. Do please take seats. And, uh, good morning. Great to see you. Uh, we are starting a brand new series uh, this morning, which is going to run through the month of October. Uh, we're going to have four Sunday mornings and four Sunday evenings together, uh, talking about the issues of ethnicity. Uh, and I should tell you that this series sort of nearly didn't happen. And the reason it nearly didn't happen is um, because I'm a, bit, I'm a bit of a coward. Uh, a friend of mine did a series on this issue uh, in another church uh, on the south coast, and, and, and he did this series uh, with his church, 
And, um, and he said, he said you know, I got, I got so much flack for doing this series. I was like, what, what do you mean you got flack? He said, honestly, I, I couldn't say anything right. Like some people thought it was a waste of time for us to be talking about it at all. Um, some people thought that, that we didn't go far enough in what we said. Some people thought we'd bought too much into the culture's kind of view of things. Almost like we, there was such a diversity of, of view and opinion and some really strongly held opinion that actually almost, almost anything we did and said was, was you know, Monday I'd just get, get my inbox to be full of people complaining. And so he told me this and I was like, man, I'm, I, I think it's an important issue, but I'm not, I, I'm not sure I want to touch it. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure I want to step into the pain. But thankfully, kind of, uh, one of my colleagues kind of pushed me a bit harder on this and, and said, you know, if we, if we never talk about these difficult issues, like if, if we never step into the things that are perhaps controversial, perhaps complex and, and difficult, if we never talk about the things that the world is actually engaged with and talking about, we sort of go, well, why? Is it because we've got nothing to say or because we're too scared to say it? So uh, we've spent quite a lot of time on this, um, a number have been reading, uh, watching, listening, um, filling our minds with, with all of the, the sort of stuff, both from a, we want to hear what, what the culture is saying about this, but also what, what the Bible says, and, and, and in some ways we want to think about how do Christians we engage with this. And so really what we're going to do, our mornings are, are going to be picking up sort of theological themes, so um, I want to go think about creation. Next week, fall. Week three, re- um, redemption. Week four, new creation. And our evening is going to pick up some of the kind of the, the cultural and critical ideas that, that are out there that we need to sort of be aware of, think about, and engage with. And, and as we set this up, um, I, I want to start by giving us some sort of realistic expectations of what this series is going to do. Um, and the first thing I want to say is, is this is really just a starting place. Um, we, we, have, we have no sort of idea, you know, that we are going to say everything that could ever be said um, type all the loose ends, um, close all the debates, and move on. This is, this is really the start of a discussion. This is about engaging with the issue, beginning to think about it, and actually we'll need to keep doing that uh, and keep reflecting and learning and, and thinking. So it's a starting place. The second thing, uh, by way of sort of tip, is to say um, we're going to need a lot of humility and grace and patience to do this. Um, we, we might as well just confess it now. Uh, we'll be getting some of this wrong. There'll be things we say that, that we, as we're trying to wrestle with this and analyse this, there'll be, um, we, we'll, get, we'll get things wrong. We'll, we'll, we'll say things wrong. We'll, we'll phrase things badly. Um, and, and as we do, um, we're going to need forgiveness and grace and patience. And that's important, isn't it? Because we live in a world that as soon as anyone makes a single misstep, they are, they are cancelled. And we say, no, no, we, we need to look at this through the lens of grace. And that means we need to give, give each other plenty of space and understanding uh, uh, compassion, grace, charity, humility, as we seek to kind of learn together. Uh, and the third thing I say is uh, these issues are complex. Uh, th- there aren't actually really kind of really simple answers to some of the questions that our culture is wrestling with. Uh, these things are difficult. Even now, um, the, the phrase, um, you'll have come across it, um, BAME, uh, actually l- lots of people, um, that, that's sort of um, black, Asian, minority ethnic groups, Many people say, actually, BME, BAME isn't even a helpful phrase anymore because you can't just lump those experiences together. Uh, there's a variety of black experience. There's a variety of Asian experiences. There's a variety of other minority ethnic groups' experiences, and, and they're not all the same. And so perhaps it's not that helpful to just lump them together. It's, it's just an illustration of the complexity of the issues that we're trying to think about. Um, 
So that's kind of part one of the tip. The second part of the tip is to say uh, we do need to also have just kind of a, a bit of a realistic view of the situation, the cultural situation we find ourselves um, in. This is an important issue in our society. Um, think about some of the things that have, that have come to light over the last few years. Uh, we've seen the, uh, the Windrush scandal. Uh, we've seen the story of um, the murder of George Floyd by Derek Chauvin. We've seen the movement of, of Taking the Knee, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. We've seen the, the racial abuse of those uh, three Black England players who missed penalties in the, uh, the Euro finals. We saw just recently, again, on, on the, the terraces, uh, England versus Hungary, um, and, and black English players um, receiving monkey chants. There are the, the personal stories as we've, as we've talked with people. You're, you're going to hear some of those stories in the evenings, um, by the way, but as we've, we've talked with people, we realise actually this is mu- much more of an issue that many of, of us in sort of the ethnic majority are actually aware of. We're not aware of some of the, the battles and struggles that people face. Jermaine Jenis did a, a documentary just this week. Um, he's a, a former England footballer um, on uh, Twitter trolls and, and trying, to, trying to investigate that issue. And, and he said, we, the interesting thing is we thought we'd made some progress on racism. Um, we, we thought that, you know, the sort of the, the terraces of the 70s and the 80s and, the, you know, the throwing bananas and the monkey... We, we thought that had gone. We thought that people had sort of managed to police one another a bit on the terraces... And then social media exploded and, and you just move from, from people kind of shouting those things on the terraces to sticking emojis in direct messages online. Actually, it's just as bad as it ever was, which tells us that it's not just a problem out there, but actually it's, it's a problem in here, isn't it? It's a problem of the human heart. It seems if people find some sort of outlet they think they can get away with, then these sorts of um, things will, will re-emerge. A recent YouGov poll um, surveyed uh, 1,200 people from a variety of ethnic minorities. Uh, 74% said that they had personally experienced somebody using a racial slur against them. 74% of people had, had experienced being racially abused. Uh, and many others will have known people who had. Uh, and then even... Even in our own community, say we think it's sort of a problem out there somewhere. Um, here's a picture uh, that was found. Um, this was just about 400 yards from where I live. So I want to put this, this picture up in Kempston. It said, race mixing is a hate crime against your people. We can take that away. Um, that, that's pretty distressing, isn't it? This, this isn't just out there. It's not just, oh, there's just a minority of morons on social media or... It, like, this is, this is among us. This is in the kind of communities in which we live. And, and actually, as Christians, we ought to hate any kind of mistreatment of other people wherever we find it. That's why we want to say, actually, that this is a serious issue. This is an issue we want to spend time thinking about and wrestling with uh, as Christians. So well, how do we as Christians engage with this? How do we think about it? Uh, how do we respond to some of what we're seeing in our culture. Uh, and so this morning, um, I, I guess my, my headline is this. Uh, I, I want to give you two big ideas. Uh, I want to give you kind of half a dozen applications to think about. Um, but in some ways, the, the, the headline is this. Uh, as we think about the idea of creation, um, unity and diversity are to be celebrated. That's, that's, that's what I want us to see, is that both unity 
and diversity are both things which we ought to celebrate. So as we think about creation, we kind of almost have to take, take a step back and say, here's, here's the first big idea, uh, which we'll just see on the screen. First big idea, uh, the Trinity shows us the beauty and origin of unity and diversity. All good theology has to start with God. Uh, before we even get to talking about us, we've got to say, well, well, let's think about the one in, in whose image we are made. Good theology starts with understanding who God is, and then from there we work out more about who we are. Uh, and the Trinity is this kind of it's this um, basic statement, although it's not easy to understand, about wh- who God is. So, so kind of boys and girls, you, you know, you perhaps know these, these answers to these simple questions. So well, how many gods are there? Answer one. It's one God. Uh, how many persons are there in the Godhead? Three. Yeah, one God, three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, it's kind of basic Christian theology. Uh, the Trinity tells us there's one God, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, and actually, as the, the church down through the ages has always fought to sort of maintain this tension. We don't necessarily understand exactly how that works, and to some degree we're not meant to, often attempts to resolve it and, and make it neat and tidy, end up with, with various kind of errors. We've got, to, we've got to hold the tension and say uh, there's unity, there's unity of the persons, uh, they are all fully God, there's unity, three persons united as one God, and there's diversity, they're, they're not the same. There is difference. The Father sends the Son. The Father and the Son send the Spirit. They have different kind of roles to play as God works his will out in the world. There is unity and diversity. So it's a helpful little test, actually, as you're examining some of the cultural reaction to issues around ethnicities. What are the solutions that are being offered? Do they tend a bit more towards the unity piece? And just try and flatten out and say, oh, come on, look, Louis, let, let's, let, let's not see any of those differences. Let, let's all just be one and just get on with it. Or do the solutions tend too much towards the diversity and, and almost eradicate any sense in which there's a unity there? There's unity and there's diversity. Both things are critically important. The second big idea is, um, is this one, uh, the image of God's. And the image of God means that humanity reflects this unity and diversity. This unity and diversity we're to celebrate comes as a result of that we are made in God's image. He is, is one, unity and his diversity. And Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse uh, 26, uh, it's just going to come on the screen, I think. Uh, there it is. <clears throat> God said, let us make mankind in our image. Now it says in our, uh, one God, three persons. Let us make mankind in, in our image to reflect something of us, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Humanity is given this task to image God in the way in which we care for the creation. It's one of the ways we, we honour God and actually serve each other and our world. But notice we're made in that image. There's, there's unity, one humanity, but, but also 
diversity, seen particularly in gender and in ethnicity. And in fact, you, sort of, you see some of this work itself out in the early chapters of Genesis. You see people begin to spread out over the face of the earth. Genesis 10, you get a list of the descendants of Noah, a list of nations. And you find that some of them are maritime peoples and some of them are city dwellers. And some of them are described being from the hill country, they're, they're farmers. So you get this, this unity of humanity with this, this diversity within their ethnicity. That story plays its way out through the Bible. And um, from the reading, here's, here's the really important verse from this reading that we've, we've got to see. Acts 17, verse 26, uh, when uh, Paul says this, uh, From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. Uh, notice that this, this, this is a really important idea, isn't it? Uh, notice it's, um, it's not just that God sort of, um, like, it's not creation, it's not a wind-up toy. God doesn't just kind of wind up the toy, put it down, uh, and then it just kind of goes where it goes. It's like, no, no, God is intimately involved as, as a caring creator in every aspect of his creation. That includes here, doesn't it? It includes uh, the, the appointment of, of the nations, uh, their appointed times in history, the, the boundaries of their lands, ethnicity is part of the created order. Notice in this passage you get unity and diversity. We're told in verse 26, from one man, from one man, unity, he made all the nations diversity. Both things are there, aren't they? Unity and diversity. And at the very end of the Bible, I'm jumping ahead to what we're going to think about in three weeks' time. Um, but in uh, Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, you see this. I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Do you see unity and diversity? There's, there's, there's this, this one people um, around the throne but notice, ethnicity is not eradicated in the new creation. It's still there, isn't it? Actually, at the end of the book of Revelation, there's a description of, of the kings and the nations bringing in their, their wealth, which I think includes their cultural wealth to the new creation. It's an amazing picture. Unity and diversity as part of God's creative care of his world. I think that's really, really important for us to just, just get that today. Almost just, just get that because it's got some really important implications. One of them is, is this. Well, it means that um, race and ethnicity, they're, they're not just social constructs. They're not just things that sort of emerge amongst groups. Actually, they're, they're part of God's creative care. And so race and ethnicity, they're, they're not just sort of evolution. They're not, they're not just the outcome of evolutionary processes which sort of get us to where we are. No, no, God's hand is over each and every part of it. Here's why I think this is particularly important uh, if we're to engage properly valuing ethnic diversity. Uh, and this is a quote, a slightly disturbing quote, from um, a philosopher called Friedrich Nietzsche written in 1887 uh, when he wrote a book called The Genealogy of uh, Morals. And in this work, Nietzsche objected to the idea of absolute moral standards. He, he didn't think there was such a thing as absolute morals, like a, actual right and wrong. He just thought it was kind of social construct. And so he said this. He, he believed that morals arise 
as the cry of the weak against the strong. Do you get that? Here's where morals come from for Nietzsche. Morality comes as a result of the cry of the weak against the strong. He said, quote, It's not surprising that the lambs shall bear a grudge against the great birds of prey. That's no reason for blaming the great birds of prey for taking the little lambs. He wasn't just talking about animals. For Nietzsche, the expression of strength is a natural force and could only be considered otherwise by the errors of language. The idea of right and wrong are created by the weak in the interests of self-preservation, so says Nietzsche. But do you see, without, without the idea of, of a creator God that actually cares for us in our unity and in our diversity, well, then you're left struggling to find a sort of a moral basis for being concerned about this stuff at all. But once that moral basis is in place, it becomes an incredibly important thing for us to think about and discuss and reflect on and act upon. Just as a little caveat here at this point, uh, you'll notice that I'm using the language um, of ethnicity um, much more than I'll use the language of race. Our culture uses the language of race, and so I think we we need to use the language and talk about it. But actually, for me, I think ethnicity is a a far more important concept. Um, Ethnicity, definition of ethnicity, is really about a shared cultural heritage, ancestry, history, homeland, language, religion, ritual, cuisine, music, arts, culture, and dress. Ethnicity is a a whole system of kind of cultural values and behaviours. Whereas race, at least in most of the modern discourse, is really only concerned mostly with physical appearance. I think we want to say that we want to be talking about something bigger than that. That is important. And so we want to talk about it. But actually, we want to see it much more broadly. I think God sees the issue much more broadly. Uh, And so we want to, too. And so given what we've said about God's creative act in uh, unity and diversity... That means, therefore, that I think when it comes to thinking about this this question of ethnicity, uh, we ought to celebrate unity and diversity, not just tolerate. I think that's important for us too, isn't it? I think we... Now, we do live in a world where there are some people who won't even tolerate and do, you know, they do acts of uh, physical and verbal violence against people who are different to them. Um, but I think for many of us, we slip into the idea of thinking, well, as long as we tolerate each other, we'll get along. As long as, long as we can be tolerant, that's kind of the value of society. Let's, let's be tolerant. Um, I'm not sure it goes far enough. I, I, sort of, I, I went to see the new Bond film um, the, earlier this week. And um, when I go to the cinema, I can sort of, I tolerate the ads at the start but, because I want to see the film. You know, I, don't, I, I don't enjoy them. I don't like them, but I'll tolerate the, the trailers and the adverts because I really want to get to the film. I think sometimes we can, we can, we can think about issues of ethnicity a bit like, a bit like that. But as long as we just tolerate each other, you know, then that'll be okay, won't it? I think the Bible says, no, it's not enough. It's not enough to, to merely say, well, I'll tolerate. The Bible, I think, if what we've said about our theology of creation is right, the Bible says we've got to celebrate Unity and diversity. We've got to celebrate those things as gifts of God. Diversity is something to be celebrated, not just tolerated. It's more like, isn't it? It's like um, 
if you, if you have a garden where you live. Um, in our garden, there are, there are different flowers that, that appear at different times in the year. Uh, and they, they're all different. They're all different kind of sizes and colors, and, and they smell differently. Uh, and they all emerge sort of different months through kind of spring, summer, into late summer. No, it's, it's one garden, but there's a diversity of plants within it. Actually, that's, that's part of the beauty of the garden, isn't it? It's, it's, it's one thing, but it's a diverse thing. And so we, we celebrate the beauty of that. And I think this, makes us, this helps us think um, much more clearly about how we define beauty, doesn't it? Our world does tend to define beauty by things like physical appearance, um, body shapes, uh, sporting ability, kind of academic or intellectual kind of prowess. I want to say, no, no, it seems that the Bible says uh, anyone made in the image of God has intrinsic beauty. By virtue of fact, they're made in the image of God. So each and every one of us in this room and in our world actually bears kind of the, the thumbprints of the creator. And what do we know about him? Well, he's, he's good. And, and all his works are perfect. Uh, nothing he does is, is bad. And so we, we've got to abandon the world's way of judging beauty and worth and value and say, no, no, look, anything and anyone made by God with, with his fingerprints on it has this worth and this value and this beauty. And we need to see that too, regardless of the world's standards. Okay, so that's the two, the two big ideas. Uh, the Trinity shows us uh, the origin and beauty of unity and diversity. And actually being created in the image of God, we reflect that. So unity and diversity are things to be celebrated, not just tolerated. Now, I still want to give you some applications, half a dozen things um, for us to kind of think about as we kick this off. Um, I think the first thing that we've got to do if we're to kind of begin this conversation well is, is we need to acknowledge the places we've got this wrong. I just have to kind of put our hands up, don't we? And one of the things we'll see next week, the thing about fall, uh, is that actually all of us will have made mistakes in this area. All of us will be less than perfect in this, this kind of the way in which we think about some of these things. We'll have got it wrong. We'll have made mistakes. We need to put our hands up and apologize. Even as a church, we've got to say, while we are diverse in many respects, that actually if you look at our, our leadership team, our team leads, our group leads, our staff, our elders and deans, we... We aren't as representative as we could or should be. I think we've just got to say, look, we, we're not where we want to be. And we've just got to acknowledge that, uh, uh, apologize for that, and think about, well, how do we get better? We've got to lament uh, the, the stories that we're going to hear of people's struggles. We, we've got to lament some of those things. We've got to hear other people's struggles. As Christians, we that's just got to grieve us. It should move us. It should trouble us. Wherever we see racism as Christians, we ought to be appalled at it. Here's the second application as we think about celebrating unity and diversity. Think about this. Think about can you can you begin to befriend someone not like you? Someone from a different ethnicity to your own. Could you... Could you spend time getting to know somebody like that? Could you invite them for some food or, or for a coffee? Could you just listen to their stories? 
uh, and find out the, the struggles that they go through. It's part of how, you know, ch- churches are called to rejoice with those that rejoice and to weep with those that weep. Well, to some degree, we've got to get to know people's stories, haven't we? If we're going to do that uh, together. So think about hospitality. Do we, do we just eat always with the same people? And are those people really just like us? Or, or are we willing to sort of extend ourselves? Befriend, eat, talk, listen, get to know people who will have a different story to your own. The third application is uh, learn. Find something to read. Find resources. We've put um, a load of resources on our website to accompany this teaching series. Um, so there, there are things you can go and start to kind of you know, educate yourselves and, and find out about some more of these issues. As we go through, we'll be recommending um, some more of those if you want. You know, you can ask us for any of those. Uh, one, one book particularly um, that I found um, I, I think particularly helpful is um, a book by a guy called Ben Lindsay. Ben Lindsay is a black pastor in London, uh, and he wrote this book, We Need to Talk About Race. Um, it's written from a Christian perspective. Uh, I think it's written with um, kind of care and nuance, a sort of sensitivity culturally and theologically to the issues. Uh, so if you wanted one book to read, I'd say, well, think about, maybe you want to pick up a copy of Ben Lindsay's book and have a look at that. But there's other things too that we can point you towards. Um, Fourth application, uh, perhaps the longest here, is um, be aware, like, be self-aware of the ways in which those of us from the majority culture can accidentally diminish those from minority cultures. Think of it like an iceberg. Uh, with an iceberg, you really only see the tip, don't you? Uh, you might think of the tip of the iceberg as those sorts, those awful acts of racial injustice which, which are, are out there and obvious, but what's beneath the waterline? As, uh, as, as we've talked with lots of different people, I think I've become aware there's all sorts of ways we, we can accidentally diminish people without realising that, that we, without meaning to do it. Um, let, let me give you some examples. Um, I, I think I might have done this one, and the person who told me was too kind to tell me off for it. Um, but, you know, people go in visiting the church, and, and someone came in, and um, I said, oh, wait, where are you from? Um, African person. I said, where are you from? They said, I'm from London. Oh, great. And, and, and where are you really from? And obviously, I didn't, there's no malice meant in that, but, but do you see what it accidentally implies? The danger is it accidentally implies, I can see the colour of your skin and therefore I assume you can't be British. And that's not meant, but accidentally, we, that's not great, is it? We just be aware of that, that sort of thing. There's a, there's a similar one, uh, a story I've heard a couple of times, um, where, where someone will say, what do you do for a living? And, you know, so I say, well, I'm a lawyer, or um, I, I'm a systems architect for one of the big banks in London. And people kind of look back and go, really? Um, now, they may be saying really because that's a really interesting job. They may be saying really because we've accidentally bought into stereotypes, haven't we, about perhaps people from certain ethnic groups working mostly in care settings. So again, it's not, it's not meant, it's not malicious, it's not intentional, but do you see how easily we can just drip into that sort of accidental diminishing? Think about banter and stereotypes. We've got to be careful with this, haven't we? In one sense, humour can be a good thing, because humour sort of just 
pricks the bubble of our own pride and stops us taking ourselves too seriously. But I think humor we've got to be careful with, particularly when we're in the majority culture, when, when you make kind of banter or stereotypical jokes about people in minority cultures, that, that's heard and felt quite differently. It, it, it feels like more of an attack um, when we, we drop into those. I think we've got to be really careful of those. You may want to think about kind of the media that you engage with. Um, just even, even as you talk about the media you watch with your kids. Uh, if, you, if you watch uh, lots of Disney, parents with your kids, um, I'm, I'm not saying you should stop watching Disney, but just notice wh- why are all the heroes and heroines white? Why, why are all the Disney princesses white? <laughs> What's going on? Again, I'm not saying that's deliberate or intentional or malicious, but it's something to think about, isn't it? Perhaps closer to home for us is, um, is this. This will come as a great shock to you. Um, Jesus didn't look like me. Uh, Jesus, Jesus was not white. He didn't have blonde hair and blue eyes. Um, maybe, again, parents, what, what kind of Bible storybooks do you read with your kids? And what are the pictures in them? Uh, Tamar, our director of youth and children's and families ministries, has just kind of gone through all our materials and, and looked at them and um, thrown a fair chunk of them out um, for the, some of these reasons um, and others. Uh, but but she's, she's found there's, there's loads of really great resources out there. Again, this, these resources are on the website. Um, Tamar's got a whole personal stock. Some of these are in Bible Talks, Bible Explorers as well. Uh, you may want to ask her for some. Um, but but lot, there's lots of really good stuff now that, that's kind of taking these issues seriously. Um, uh, and it's actually, you know, in the pictures, is much more representative of the people they're trying to describe and their own cultures. So uh, there's a whole load of things. Uh, there's one called The Noisy Christmas uh, this one is called the, the, the Dad Who Never Gave Up, the Prodigal, um, the story of the prodigal son. Um, there's this one, kind of Window on the World, which um, is kind of stories of, of the church around the world and, and the different struggles and challenges. Um, think about the media that you access, the resources you use, and, and, and how you engage and talk about that. Um, and then perhaps the last one under this application is, um, if you've dropped into this, I think we need to stop saying things like, um, I, I'm colorblind. I, I don't see colour. It's well meant, and, and you can see the intent to say, look, look, you, your race ethnicity is not a big issue to me. I, do, I don't see it. I just see you. Um, you know, I'm just colourblind. I don't see it. How it's heard as, you don't really care about my story. You don't really care about, you, like, you don't see. You don't see the challenges. You, and actually, maybe you don't want to know or see some of those challenges. Actually, we, we need to see. To use the language of being colorblind actually is a denial of diversity. We need to be able to say, actually, we, we do see diversity. And, and we see all the blessings that come with it. And we see the struggles that come with it. And we want to hear. Here's the um, fifth, two more to go. <clears throat> the fifth little application is this. I think as we talk about this issue, we've got to avoid um, the simple, sensational sound bites. Um, uh, there's, a, there's a quote here. Um, from a, a guy called H.L. Mencken, who said this, um, for every complex problem, there is an answer that is clear and simple and wrong. Uh, I, we live in a world and a culture which uh, loves the soundbite. You know, pe- people don't read those kind of long-form journalistic pieces anymore, do they? We, we haven't got the attention span or the interest. We, we read things in 140 characters. And the more sensational it is, the more interaction it seems to get. I think as Christians, we need to resist that. 
We need to be aware of the culture's temptation to do that kind of black and white, right and wrong, uh, good and bad. Uh, here's the baddies. Here's the goodies. Like we, we need to avoid those really kind of simplistic ways of putting actually quite complex issues and debates um, and resist. And there's something about the ethic. John's going to talk about this tonight, the ethic in which we engage in that. I won't say any more than that at this point, but just, let's just avoid that simple sensationalism uh, and, and think more carefully about these issues. And the last thing I want to say uh, this morning as we, as we kind of draw into order close is this. We, we do need to get this issue, like we, we need to kind of diagnose it properly. We need to see it in right perspective. Because actually, think about it this way. You remember when Jesus was asked for a summary of the commandments, you know, summary of the law, what's, what's the greatest of the law? And he actually said two things, and those two things were a way of summarising uh, the Ten Commandments, the, the two tablets. Uh, do you remember what the second one was? The second one he said, uh, love your neighbour as yourself. Love your neighbour as yourself. But that really flows from the first one. And in fact, we'll, we'll, get, the, we'll get the second one wrong because we've broken the first one. See, the biggest problem facing our world actually isn't racism. Actually, racism is a symptom of a much deeper problem. A much deeper problem. And that that is the breakdown in the relationship between us and our Creator. First commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then love your neighbours yourself. The, 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 kind of the horizontal will flow out of the vertical. When the vertical is broken, the horizontal will be broken. The, the solutions in some ways aren't, aren't merely political, although there's important things to do there. Actually, they're spiritual. So if I'm, if I'm willing as a human being to, to throw out my creator, well then what will I do to you? It follows, doesn't it? Theologically, this is important for us to understand. If we're going to think about properly diagnosing the problem and then think about the real long-lasting solutions to the problem, we've got to get this right. So look, when a world rejects the Creator and what He says, then of course one of the overflows of that is we will we will mistreat our neighbour, we will mistreat one another. So actually, what one of the things we we sometimes we don't fight with the weapons of the world. We kind of fight on our knees. We, we, we fight in prayer. We, we, we take people the good news about the, the creator that made them and thinks so highly of them. The one who sent his son to, to die for them. The one that actually brings people from diverse backgrounds back into this relationship uh, together. We need, to, we need to keep pointing to him, keep depending on him if we are to hope to see lasting solutions both in the church and outside the church. Perspective is, is everything as we really try and get a handle on this and grapple with it properly. Unity and diversity are created gifts and are both things that should be celebrated, not just tolerated. And we'll need God's help, won't we, as we seek to do that and to learn more of what that means and how that looks in our communities. I want to finish by praying. So if you feel able, uh, would you join me? As I pray for us, Father, Son and Spirit, we praise and worship you that you are really the the origin of even this idea of perfect unity and diversity. 
Father, we thank you as we're, as we're made in the image. We, we love this thought that actually your, your creative care has been over every one of our lives and over every one of our cultures. Uh, the creation continues into uh, the development of diverse ethnicity and all the beauty that comes with that. Father, would you help us to celebrate that? Would you, would you protect us from feeling defensive when we talk about these issues? Would you protect us from feeling suspicious about people that are different? Would you help us to really learn more of what it means to celebrate our unity? It's this one humanity coming from our first parents. We are one, and yet we are diverse. These are good things, things for us to celebrate with one another, things to praise you for. Father, make us humble in spirit, make us willing to listen and to learn. Give us wisdom in knowing how best to respond and to act. And make us ever more dependent on your Holy Spirit, the one who, through whom true change, lasting change, eternal change can come. We ask all these things in the precious name of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.